Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The End Credits, the podcast where two brothers discuss their thoughts on a film of their choosing. I'm Dominic. I'm Jonathan. And today we are talking about George Lucas's 1977 epic space opera, Star Wars. You know, it's weird because I don't actually remember the first time we watched this movie, but I definitely do remember the first time I watched it and actually analyzed it and found a deeper meaning than it just being Star Wars for Star Wars. And it was back like in film study in high school, which was years ago. And somewhere like um, years later, I ended up getting heavily into the series uh, more so the original trilogy than the prequels and whatever else was out during the time. Um, because our fi- our sister's fiance was, uh, was, and I think still is a pretty big fan of the star Wars franchise. And he was like really getting me into it. And I definitely found like a deeper appreciation once, um, I like rewatched the original trilogy and try to seek out, everything that I could about like the original unedited versions of Star Wars. And that was a lot of fun. And coming back to it now, it's it's uh, cool to bring it all together and talk about it today. Yeah, I don't actually ever remember watching the originals. Oh, we did watch the originals, but I don't have a, like a, a pinpoint time. I was like, oh yeah, I remember watching that at, at that particular moment. It was uh, basically... I remember when the prequels came out. I remember when the Star Lego Star Wars games came out because we played those. Those are so awesome. We also had we, we obviously now remember the new trilogy coming out and all those uh, mini series on TV and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And like uh, I remember some of the cartoons also way back when coming oh, yeah. out of like uh, I believe it was the Clone Wars cartoon that I remember like it was new at the time. Yeah, and. We, I don't think we ever watched that, but I remember seeing stuff about it and uh, all that uh, stuff. I, I can't actually remember watching, sitting down and watching A New Hope or just Star Wars. Uh, obviously, we did because we know we knew all the events of what happened uh, throughout. There's always uh, A New Hope that I felt was like the foundation. And then we, I, at least I remembered The Return of the Jedi, basically the ending and Empire is always that one was like it was the middle that we just never really knew too much. Mm-hmm. But obviously, when we came back to it nowadays, it's uh, it's honestly probably my favorite one, which is kind of weird. Yeah, that's really good. So uh, at least since we're looking at New Hope, let's just uh, run down uh, the uh, details of it. So Star Wars was directed by George Lucas with the release date of May 25th. 1977 had a runtime of two hours and five minutes and the genre is an epic space opera it stars mark hamill harrison ford carrie fisher peter cushing and alec guinness the summary for star wars is the following the imperial forces under orders from cruel darth vader hold princess leia hostage in their efforts to quell the rebellion against the galactic empire Luke Skywalker and Han Solo, captain of the Millennium Falcon, work together with the companionable droid duo R2-D2 and C-3PO to rescue the beautiful princess, help the Rebel Alliance, 
and restore freedom and justice to the galaxy. Man, this is when we were still in the good old days of Star Wars. Like, um, it's such a such a good story. It's so simple. And when Star Wars was actually, uh, you know, in, in its prime. Um, this is where it's basically bare bones Star Wars, where it's, it's basically your easy good guys, easy bad guys, and you're somewhat in between, but it's really... You you really already know from the get-go uh, what side people are on and just how the world's supposed to be. It's a very simple setup, but it works uh, for the time, especially, like, it's not very confusing where some of the uh, later ones, mm-hmm. they get a little more uh, detailed right. and can lose some people. But this one, it's very much, uh, we only, like, travel to, like, what, one, two places yeah, throughout the entire film, and it's like okay, people can keep up with everything, and it's very digestible. Yeah, I I completely agree. I like how this one, it's I like how it builds this entire world. Yet it's never too confusing. Like you said, it's something that's really easy to follow, and it's it's so it's just so simple in this one, and they they don't waste time. I feel like, especially with I have to mention. The version that we watched is essentially just a, what they call a despecialized edition of Star Wars. And it essentially takes all of the editions that were ever made and cuts them and brings the film to its original, it restores the film to its original theatrical release as best it can be. And this is a fan project um, by a guy called Harmy. A Harmony's Despecialized Edition for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a ton of like different fan projects out there. Like I think 4K77 is another one. And um, a lot of people like doing this sort of thing. And if you don't know, for those who aren't familiar with Star Wars and the whole franchise as a whole, in the original trilogy, the no, I, th- I think all of them are not for like will you find like on Disney Plus or like on Blu-ray or DVD any kind of releases they're not the original theatrical release that you saw in theaters and it is because George Lucas made additions uh years later after they came out um with the intention of making them better and keeping it true to his original vision right. so these additions were made and essentially fans have made and restored these films to the original theatrical versions. I think it was after the release of the prequels, I want to say, where stuff was like changed throughout the entire original trilogy just to like fix some continuity. Plot. Yeah, continuity errors and uh just oh it wasn't uh to his liking at some point, so they couldn't do certain things at the time. So they're like, oh now we have the technology, so let's just put it in. Which is kind of, um, I guess, okay for like an artist's perspective, you know, because it's his thing. But it's right. kind of weird how like it's very tough to acquire the original way you watched it on um, in theaters. Mm-hmm. It's not like okay, they came out with uh, you know George Lucas's new cuts or something like that. Yeah, right? like a director's cut. Right. It, it was just okay. This is the the version now. And forget about the other ones. It's yeah. kind of it's, it's a it's a very weird and uh, unfortunate thing 
for at least the fans, you know, to like, okay, we can't see the differences anymore. Uh, at least it's hard to obtain the differences. And mm-hmm. now the fans have to basically bring it back to uh, at least a high uh, res version of it. Right. Yeah. It's really sad that they have to be, they, ha- they have to be the ones to cut it up and splice it together. And it's like, oh man, it's, it, I don't think any other film or film franchise has done yeah, anything say, like this. I can't think of any that actually done this. It's kind of, it's very weird. It's a, it's a Star Wars thing now. Yeah. You know, it's like, it, it's, it's weird to say, but like, that's your example of, you know, something that's changed throughout, uh, it's lifespan. It's, it's very, very weird. Yeah. And people may be wondering like, oh, like what are these additions and are they good additions? Honestly, there's probably a, maybe there's a few good additions, but for the most part, they're detrimental um, to the film. It's like unnecessary yeah. uh, things that just add, you know, like uh, a rock in this place, you know, or some sort of bean in this other place. It's kind of like, even if something is like uh, changing, like color grading, like color grading is completely oh, yeah. different That's as true. well. That's true. And yeah, essentially, there's a, there's a bunch of videos on YouTube that compares like Harmony's Despecialized Edition to things that that like for a Blu-ray release or um, on Disney Plus even. So I definitely recommend going in to check that those comparisons out if you're curious about what the differences are. And when you do see them, you're just like, oh my gosh, I need to watch it, the Despecialized Edition. So um, so we watched the Despecialized, so we really tried to watch the um, Episode 4, New Hope, just known as Star Wars then. We really tried to watch Star Wars in just its original um, form as possible. So, And it definitely was a treat, and it should just have stayed that way, and it was great. I mean, really, we didn't need to add much to it. Um, it made sense. It was simple. Uh, it was clear cut. I mean, what more did you want? Yeah, I think as a story aspect, it's very much your basic hero's journey. Mm-hmm. And I guess there's nothing wrong with that. I guess in, in today's uh, standard, you don't really see basic clear cut. So I guess it can be in some ways refreshing to see that clear cut hero's journey. Right. But in another ways it could lead you to believe that, oh man, it's kind of lackluster or sense lazy just because it is this cookie cutter, basic hero's journey story and not much, uh, you know, twists and turns that you see nowadays where people try to like, uh, I guess spice up the, uh, complexity of a yeah, film yeah, or complexity of a story. Yeah. So, uh, for people who want, I guess that it can be a little bit like boring to you. But uh, in some other ways, I think you got to look into it where it's for the, that time it it did its job and it's actually a really well done version right. of that basically cut. It's like, again, it's like a foundation. Mm-hmm. So I guess we got to give it props for that uh, story element. Right. And that's a good point to bring up. And I feel like the only reason why it has held up is simply because of its characters you know, I think the characters right, are right. very influential, mm-hmm. especially today. And, you know, we follow the story of, you know, young Luke Skywalker and his ambition to do other things and escape from his the home life that he's um, being left in, essentially. And, um, you know, people like Han Solo and Princess Leia, all these iconic characters that people 
really look up to nowadays, especially kids. Yeah. And it's really stood the test of time and not just in the characters, but in its story too. But I think what really aids the, I guess the maybe outdated hero's journey, it's felt, uh, relevant simply due to its iconic characters. Yeah. They definitely see the test of time. They're cultural icons nowadays and ever, everybody recognizes these, uh, iconic characters. Uh, in the like world building department, maybe in the uh, um, set design, that's very well done too. And at least in this time, uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm always impressed with how they did modelings or for like uh, the spaceships and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Always impressed. Like uh, it looks good to me. Like uh, it's, it's never once been like terrible. No, I, every single time. I don't know. It just it feels right. It's all connected. And it just makes sense to me, um, especially with all the uh, uh, costumes and like nothing felt out of place for the world that they set up mm-hmm. from start to finish. And uh, I guess it's easy for a viewer to get invested into it and uh, I guess live some sort of larger life uh, through it. Right. Yeah. Like I like how you're mentioning their model slash miniature work because, you know, the opening of the film starts off with you know, just that where we see that, you know, we see the ship going across a screen. And the coolest part about it was, is that like it, it takes up the entire screen and it's so cool. Mm-hmm. And that's something you have for 77. You know, you just want, you think to yourself, it's like, man, what an image to start off with, you know? And seeing that is just, uh, it's, it's cool to be able to see what they could do with their effects and, Maybe the effects haven't exactly aged well, but for the most part, it's still like it's still fine. It's still okay. I think that, I think they have aged w- well compared to like uh, Terminator. Uh, for mm. like Terminator, I think the biggest issue with that one was uh, human skin, right? Yeah, and this one is very much uh, character work and uh, outer space work and stuff like that. Just different planets. Yeah. And I think that one's easier to uh, believe because we don't really have visual aids for those, really. Mm-hmm. You know, we can see a picture of Mars, but it's not like it's in front of us, right? Right, yeah. So, like, stuff like that, it's it's easier to suspend your disbelief with stuff like that rather than trying to replicate the human body. It's 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 a, it's a different level. Yeah, and, and with it being, like, on a different level, it's almost overwhelming... I would think for the people creating the world and like to be able to come up with, well, you know, what does a, what does a Wookiee look like? For example, you know, well, like what does Tatooine look like and all the different creatures that exist and the names and, um, uh, vehicles and you know, what are they supposed to look like? And the fact that they have to come up with these things, it's, it's creativity at its finest, I think. Yeah, that's true. Uh, they did have to come up with uh, their world pieces and stuff like that, their world race, races and uh, equipment and uh, landscapes and all that stuff. And I assume they had some thought process before the even movie was made, right? Some art yeah, direction totally. to uh, to help them guide uh, just the set design. But yeah, it takes a lot to even uh, come up with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Even even like things like the stormtroopers and everything like their their body armor and their suits, 
things like the laser blasters and whatnot. And uh, yeah, for a character like Darth Vader, for example, like the idea of coming up with him is uh especially like just the suit just like looking at it and he makes his grand entrance mm-hmm. and he's just such a presence especially with his voice too you know it's just neat how it all comes together like that and it comes together so well yeah I, it's definitely like uh i wonder if they originally thought for at least the original star wars that somebody would actually like be in this suit or like maybe it was some sort of robot being or some uh something like that right mm-hmm. i wonder what the original thoughts were if they had all this uh backstory to this character in the beginning or was it very much like okay that's they you know i guess wrote into it uh that's always something that i've found some interest in like uh was the darth vader character supposed to be like some sort of uh cyborg originally yeah, uh, like uh, all cyborg, like a Terminator type of thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Not like half where, you know, oh, you know how like Luke loses his hand eventually and, you know, you can just uh, replace it. Right. Not like that, but like a full-on fledged uh, human being. I wonder if uh, that was ever thought of. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point to bring up. I'm not exactly sure. It's cool to see what he ended up being, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. Uh, you know the the obvious that uh, he's Anakin Skywalker, right? So, uh, spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you don't know that, like, come on. That's yeah. Everybody knows this about Star Wars. Already. Yeah, every everyone knows that he's Anakin Skywalker. No, but I mean, yeah, it's a it's. I I have wondered as well if they had that entire story already um, fleshed out, or if that's something that they just ended up considering and and writing in for empire and then return of the jedi and so on so it's cool to be able to speculate on whether or not they actually uh or george lucas actually thought of that ahead of time but i'm um i've always really liked just like the the setup of everything i like how we see that luke skywalker our main character is just a normal kid and trying to live like a normal life but wants to do more Mm -hmm. and uh i feel like it's just a good setup for being able to i think whoever's watching could possibly just relate to the fact that you just relate to maybe his age or just relate to the same position that he might may be in or the position that he is in and um yeah, I guess just getting wanting to be able to get out into the world and do some more. And in a way, I guess maybe some people, like when you're in that kind of, um, this kind of film, you discover that Luke Skywalker is definitely part of the of a bigger story. And you get to go along with him on that journey. And I think that's a really great way of bringing the audience with us too. Because it's this grand story that he's now a part of. Yeah, it's uh, like we said before, it's the classic hero's journey set up where, you mm-hmm. know, we develop our hero. And it's, again, it's it's very much where we can, a lot of people can just connect with it because, you know, everybody grows up at some point needing to leave uh, their parents and, you know, go out into the world to make something for themselves. And it's a very much... Uh, easy way to, for the audience to uh, connect with our hero and you know obviously that helps right mm-hmm. 
I guess further along with like different characters and uh, stuff like that, it's Star Wars did do a good job in just like um, giving us little character bits so that we can understand certain uh, stuff at certain points. For example, like with Han Solo, you know, uh, all we need to know really of him or at least get like some sort of tease with was at the uh, Tatooine bar. Um, M.O. Zeisley. Yeah, yeah. And uh, with his, uh, just how he acted and how he communicated with other people. We we got hints of his backstory there, but we didn't get like a full complete but that was that half backstory was all we really needed right. to understand that he was a little bit more greedy, but also had this softer side to help humanity. Yeah, and I guess you could probably find an instance of every single character where they had that little moment where we understood a little piece of them. Mm. And I think that kind of storytelling is just lost now, where we get a little bit of backstory and under in order to understand our character's motives just a little bit. And Han Solo is the perfect example where we get a little bit of his backstory with Greedo and with Jabba and the fact that a lot of modern films just feel the need to over-explain either that or they spoon-feed it to the audience of every little motive and every little detail. And I just love how Star Wars, this film, doesn't do that. Right. It's very much, uh, they let it uh, basically expand over time. They give us a little bit, and if we want to, uh, you know, go forth and explore, we have the space to be able to. And, uh, yeah, I guess a lot of, uh, I guess it depends on where you find or what you are exposed to, but a majority of the stories today maybe go the opposite direction where it's spoon-fed to us. Right. With this film, they leave us a little bit of room to imagine, you know? Mm-hmm. They give us some time to consider what the possibilities or the options are for the character, and we get to kind of make that up. It's it's almost like a book where you get to read in the character's voice and you get to come up with their motives and thoughts and it's your interpretation of the character. And I like how we still have a little bit of room for that in this first movie. Um, I believe there are books for Star Wars, too, uh, mm-hmm. that they have. Uh, now that you mentioned it, like I actually remember reading uh, some of the Star Wars books originally of the original trilogy. Right. Man, I don't, that was a long time ago. That was, um, oh my gosh. I, I actually did the same thing, too. This was back like junior high. That was, yeah, I was like, oh, oh man. I just got some sort of like, uh, was it deja vu yeah. moment? Like, whoa. Oh, I, remember, I remember just the, the paperback copies. I, man, I don't remember what like the, uh, maybe they were just called uh, the titles of the movies, right? But I don't, yeah. I don't remember. Man, now after this podcast, I'm going to have to like look up <laughs> what these books are and like find out. I got to track them down and possibly uh, get it into my hands. <laughs> yeah, you got to read it. Yeah. Oh, man. No, yeah, I definitely remember reading one. I think it was probably set in Return of the Jedi somewhere because we had uh, Emperor Palpatine on the cover. And I bet I don't remember. I don't remember anything of yeah, it. Yeah, I definitely got to do some research into that. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, but with... With uh, characters' motivations and decisions that they make, I love how I honestly didn't remember how quickly it moved to. We really didn't spend a ton of time in terms of 
getting too bogged down by details and dialogue, we kind of went straight to, uh, you know, Luke's living his normal life. And then all of a sudden one day gets uprooted and now he has to go with Obi-Wan Kenobi in order to go and, uh, save Princess Leia, or at least see what her distress message was all about. And then we meet Han Solo, and it, it moves really quickly. And I and I honestly, uh, I always forget how quickly it moves. I'm I'm surprised at the, just the lack of uh, locations that we actually get to to progress in the story. Because you know we're on Tatooine for like the beginning, mm-hmm. and then we eventually get into the Millennium Falcon, and then the Death Star, and then uh, basically that's the aftermath at at that point. You know, mm-hmm. just the final battle. It's kind of it's kind of strange just the lack of locations that we actually um, go through throughout this movie to progress the story. Because, again, going back to, like, just nowadays, I feel like we're, like, we move to location to location to location in stories, right? Uh, and this one, it's just we only have, again, three, four, maybe five locations, and it tells a full-length story, and it kind of works, really. You might say that, like, oh, it's kind of... It could be slow because of you could argue that it's slow because of uh, the locations because you don't feel like we really go uh, place to place much mm-hmm. because um, half no a majority more than half of the film is really just Tatooine and the Death Star and that's it really right a majority of the film yeah and if we want to include Alderaan but I mean we never actually went there we right, saw it, right, but right. we we saw places but like they never really we're never really in. Uh, those locations for too long, those mini locations. It's really just those two places and the Millennium Falcon, and that's basically it. And then, you know, your final battle, obviously. Yeah, and I think it just goes to show that we don't actually have to go from place to place all of the time and, like, in a movie, you know? We don't need to move locations all of the, you know, every two minutes, whereas, like, a lot of modern films do that where we just have to go to here and then we have to go here and right, we have to go right. here. And it's so draining because you just, you continuously move from place to place and it's just like, what, why, you know? And this one keeps it simple. Right. It was able to tell an effective story with, I guess, as little as possible and it kind of, it did well for it. Yep. I kind of like their like rescue mission, you know, uh, going to Princess Leia because mm-hmm. it's, it's, they kind of, uh, walked into it, you know, it's not like they were purposely, you know, oh, I guess they were in actuality. They were trying to go rescue her. Yeah. But they were going to go, uh, they weren't actually going to go there immediately, right? They kind of like, okay, let's leave and try to escape and then, you know, settle down. But in actuality, they were captured immediately to yeah. the place they needed to be. So it's that's kind of, kind of weird, but like, it, it kind of makes sense that, uh, you know, they were, they were uh, trying to figure out uh, what to do, and uh, basically they they uh, they were able to fix the problems that they uh, encountered. Right, because they essentially got caught in the crossfire. Right, right. So literally the crossfire. Literally. Uh, or, lit- or I should say maybe a little bit after because Alderaan had just been destroyed. So, no, yeah, it's one of those, yeah, that expedition of going on for finding princess leia and everything was just it was exciting especially like when we get introduced to concepts like uh hyperspace and all of those sorts of things Mm -hmm. and classic uh little bits and pieces of star wars as a whole franchise and it's like all established here and it's just so 
when it feels new, quote unquote, it just feels so special. So that was really neat. Yeah. And, um, I think what's, I think a lot of the film actually, uh, takes place on the death star and it's really neat to be able to see, you know, where we're seeing the empire's base. And we, we see several shots earlier on when, you know, we see, we see Tarkin and Vader talking with all of those people and everything earlier on in the film. Um, but then when we get the, the heroes, uh, when they inadvertently get on the Death Star, uh, that was really interesting and in being able to, man, I remember we, when we were watching, I was saying that I don't know how anyone could get out of this, especially when they had to go turn off that, like, uh, that beam generator in order to escape. Uh, and it was literally in the heart of the Death Star and they were basically stranded, uh, you know, right there until that beam was uh, turned off. And it was just like, at first it seemed like that the characters were just going to stay in that one control room. And I was just like, I would feel so much pressure and so, so much anxiety in that moment. I also want to say that like, uh, at that point our characters weren't even really heroes. They were kind of like, stumbling upon stuff still at that point right they're very much like uh man we don't know uh what to do but yeah. they 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 you know again they fix their problems by going through in a kind of a clumsy way and it kind of shows that like progress in characters throughout the uh original trilogy because you know these people weren't i guess perfect heroes yeah but they had the ambition or they had the uh the the heart to at really least save uh, the world, if that makes sense, and uh, I don't know, it, it, it's uh, it's kind of funny, also, you know, when seeing that they uh, how they stumble upon just the mistakes that they make, yeah, throughout uh, trying to rescue Princess Leia, but uh, yeah, I don't know, it's 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 enjoyable to watch, and you can uh, really connect with the characters because oh, they're not perfect beings; they're kind of they have uh, these uh, uh, flaws to them. Mm-hmm. And it just, again, it makes the connections uh, much more easier. Right. I feel like the only person who had the biggest advantage was Obi-Wan. Right. And uh, he felt the most confident in order to go and actually do something. And while the rest of the the characters are going to just stay in the control room. Um, no. And, and we, yeah, and over the course of the film and in those moments, we do see them take on and be a little bit more risky in order to go save the princess. And yeah, it's it, it just a special thing to see and watch it all unfold. Yeah, and I guess so you mentioned that it is also funny. It is a little bit comedic and being able to, like when you're when you're watching the movie. And I guess that's another thing that maybe you kind of miss or that you don't think that's included in this film. There is a little bit of that comedy and a little bit of those... Uh, those jokes like here and there. I like, I think at the moment when Luke, after they had saved uh, princess Leia, when he was talking to Han Solo about, you know, what do you think of her? And I thought it was funny that he was all, you know, he was a little bit happy by the fact that, you know, she isn't the best person or whatever. And, and, uh, he was like, Oh, you know, uh, well now I could just think to her all to myself, I guess. And then like Han Solo played a little bit of a joke and, you know, saying that, oh, what do you think, a guy like me and a and a woman like her? And it was just, it was just a comedic moment. Yeah, say so they had a. It's 
it's comedic, but it's also like lighthearted enough that it doesn't take away the seriousness of the story as well. It's not like uh, it was out of place or felt out of this, you know, out of uh, it took away from the story that it was trying to tell. It very, it was very much made sense. It wasn't just out there to just oh, just crack a joke or whatnot. Yeah, like. I guess just like how the nowadays Star Wars will probably do. They'll just go out of their way to tell this joke. And I was like, that, was that really necessary? Right. But this one all made sense. And uh, again, yeah, there was just, uh, there were some funny moments in how they, they interacted with their world and how they solved their problems. And uh, it showed this, I guess, human vulnerability that, again, people uh could connect to right when we were getting like introduced to the world and whatnot what did you think about like the um the technology and i'm i'm basically referring to the weapons i suppose uh you know more specifically the lightsaber Mm -hmm. and things like the laser blasters and stuff like that like how did you feel when we get to see our first um, you know, the first shot of the, the lightsaber. I don't know. Like, uh, it's hard. Cause like, I guess this cause nowadays it's so much like ingrained in pop culture Yeah, that like, it's not really anything special, special anymore. anymore. I think, uh, I don't know. I think because of that, it's hard to like, oh man, this is like a defining moment. Then it, it obviously is. Yeah. But I just, it's, it's hard because nowadays you just see it everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I guess like it's hard for my myself to like just displace, you know, that thought in my head. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I I thought it was really neat though because when like Obi Wan was explaining it and whatnot, and it's this uh, powerful weapon. But I think what made it more significant, especially the one that he was talking about, was um, Anakin Skywalker's Luke's father. Uh, it was his lightsaber. It made it all the more special, and it gave it more meaning. And it wasn't just some weapon, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, it was his father's. So that was just like another thing to give it uh, some sort of significance. And it's a symbol for not only in the pop culture, but like for him uh, in the film. Well, I actually don't believe, does Luke ever use it? Like actually in combat in the first movie? I don't think he does. It's only Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. Yeah, I, that's actually a really good point to bring up. Like, despite the fact that the lightsaber has become such a big and um, easily recognizable thing within the Star Wars universe, Luke Skywalker ba- basically didn't use it that much in this film. Yeah, it was only for, like, training purposes. Mm-hmm. It wasn't ever an actual physical combat that he used it in. Yeah, so maybe for, like, for someone who maybe has never seen star wars and has heard about like all the different things about it they might be surprised to find that this film didn't really include a ton of lightsaber duels right yeah that's true because again nowadays you see those everywhere yeah it's kind of like what you don't have a lightsaber you know what are you you doing (laughs) right exactly it's like every other scene it's a lightsaber it almost feels similar to terminator in that fact when we were talking about how uh, when we discovered that some of those one-liners, those classic one-liners are actually from different people mm-hmm. in the franchise. And this is very similar in that 
you know, lightsabers are such a big part of Star Wars, you know? You talk about Star Wars, like, it's so synonymous. You know, right. the lightsaber's synonymous with, synonymous with Star Wars. And, you know, yeah, you can't go without it. So it might be surprising for someone to find that it's really not used all that much. Right. Um, but yeah, I guess that one duel that we do get with between Vader and um, Obi-Wan definitely was a... Uh, it, it was good. I mean, of course, with future films, it feels like that duel or that battle isn't as exciting as... You know, right, they don't do come. they don't do some crazy flips over some you know right over each other or something like that. They don't you know throw it or chuck it at each other. It's, it's not like that. It's very much you know defensive. You know, swing your you know sword and stuff like that. Yeah, right? it's very it's much more strategic and it's yeah. not all about the the uh, cool theatrical effects. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, I kind of like how it's more you know more dumbed down and it's just kind of its basic you know, sword fight, I suppose. Yeah. And I actually kind of like how it's more, it's more stripped down and it's more drawn back and not as overproduced and whatnot. And that's what I really like about this whole film as a whole, but specifically in that lightsaber duel, it just felt like the words and the relationship between Vader and Obi-Wan was much more significant than the actual duel itself. You know, yep. it was th it was this battle between teacher and and um, mentor, ment uh, well, teacher and apprentice. Oh, right. And now, or like, I guess now it's flipped in a way, as Vader says. Right. But it's this reoccurring theme, I suppose. It's this just this uh, we have returned to it, and it feels all the more epic when that battle takes place. And see, and we don't even need the the theatrics. Certainly, I, I agree that it probably helps, but for the most part, I don't think we really need it. I think it's weighted in the words. Well, I believe I saw I said this when we actually watched the film. It's it's that battle wasn't even really for Darth Vader or Obi Wan Kenobi. It was really much for Luke and the progression for his character mm -hmm. to continue on with this uh, hero's journey uh, aspect. You know. Uh, is very much a way to propel him to, I guess, reach his destiny. And that's really all it needed to be. Mm. And it didn't need to be this, like, uh, climactic or this, you know, end battle thing it needed to be because it wasn't about that. It was about uh, him, Luke, discovering who he wanted to be in this world. Right. And by the end of the movie, he successfully did that. Yeah, I like how you're mentioning that because... I questioned that moment when Darth Vader mentioned that, or he mentioned to Tarkin that Obi-Wan Kenobi's reason for being on the ship wasn't for any kind of escape. That wasn't his plan. And when he mentioned that, uh, I was a little bit confused. And then that's why I talked about it with you when like, well, if Obi-Wan's plan isn't to escape, then what is his plan? Uh, when he knew that he wasn't going to leave. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's when you mentioned all of that. And, yeah, that's a good point to bring up because I feel like that's one, you know, I've seen this movie, like, you know, I don't know, so many times thousands, at this point. Thousands. Yeah, like thousands of times. And uh, it's one of those things that you kind of just catch and never actually question until now. And then you talk it over with someone and you realize other things about it. I think the question is what most people think is like uh, – where did he go or something like that? People always question, like, why didn't he, you know, get cut off like Anakin oh. did in uh, 
Revenge of the Sith, you know, where was that? Or yeah. when I was like, he turned into a foolish ghost. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. And I, I love that little moment when Darth Vader goes over to him. He just kind of puts his foot over, like, the 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 robe of Obi-Wan and trying to, like, step on. He's like, oh, where'd he go? No, but, um, yeah, I think it just you find things within films that you've probably seen over and over again. And you learn to question once more and like appreciate it again. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Every time we watch this movie, I always forget like the, by the time when we, uh, we do leave the death star and we're in the millennium Falcon again, I always feel like that it's almost over. And then I remember that, Oh, there's still a whole, the battle of the right, death star. Right. And I always forget about that. And I wonder if other people forget about it too, because it just kind of feels like at that point, you're just like, all right, the story's over, you know? And there's this whole last act still there. Um, and, you know, the characters return to, uh, oh, this is another location we forgot to mention, Yavin 4, which is where the the rebel base is. Oh, yeah. They're barely there, really, though. Yeah, it's, it's not long. It's very much just to set up for the... Uh the final battle at the Death Star. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that I always got, I guess, like, I, I don't want to say mad. It was, like, kind of, like, annoyed, kind of, like, why, why was this this way? Is that uh, the fact that it had some sort of weakness is, like, oh, oh you know, Star. yeah, yeah. It's, like, if you hit this thing the uh, precise way, you know, all the way down and it explodes, like, really? It's, like, come on, <laughs> why? I don't know. Someone built the Death Star and they were, like, we need a self-destruct button just in case. But it has to be this, like, oh, this, you know, uh, it's a 99% miss. You know, you have 1% chance of actually hitting this shot. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, oh, okay. I guess it's like, you know, it was supposed to lead up to, oh, the Force can guide you anywhere, right? If you <laughs> if you believe in the Force, you know, you'll be able to, you know, make this shot. Or yeah, you got to like, believe in the Force. It's like, come on. <laughs> no, and that's the big thing because you kind of, you have to go with your intuition. And I think really it's just this big metaphor for you're not always going to have all the details and you are going to have to take that risk, risk sometimes in life, you know? Right. And it's a bigger metaphor. And, uh... As we're talking about this, and uh, yeah, I know that it was frustrating in terms of the film and whatnot, but with the idea of like these metaphors and the the bigger picture, I think a lot of people, and even I did for the longest time, felt like Star Wars didn't have a bigger message. I always kind of felt like it was this big um, space battle between good and evil and everything, and it's about lightsabers and all that stuff. I feel like (laughs) maybe to a certain extent, uh, at one point it was probably like that and maybe it's like that now but in this original trilogy and in this movie I really feel like it's it's like a uh, it's like a soap opera in some ways um, and there's like a lot of deeper meanings and messages uh, laced like within the movie and that being like an example that you're not always gonna understand what's on the other side of things or have all the details but sometimes you gotta trust your gut and uh and your intuition and take the risk and the chance yeah it's uh going back to the hero's journey it's like it is that like classic where we want to have we have a message to tell our audience and we're going to use the 
uh, hero's journey progression to tell our audience and through Luke Skywalker, we're able to have these, like you said, metaphors and basically talking a real world uh, life progression mm-hmm. through our character. And uh, they again, it did it uh, successfully. People understood, uh, e- uh, even though it was set in this uh, fantasy or space science fiction world, mm-hmm. uh, it could still connect to us in our everyday lives. Right. But... I would like something like the force to exist, though. I, mean, <laughs> I want to be able to say, uh, you know, these aren't the droids you're looking right, for. Right. Like, that, how cool would that be? <laughs> uh, like, yeah, I want the force to exist. I want that. So I want to be able to do that. Um, no, yeah, I, I know what you're, what you're saying, though, going back to the whole, um, that final act where we have to have the battle with the Death Star. It's always, I know that I said that I forget about that that final act but i actually really enjoy that last final act because i think for everything up until then we see luke skywalker in probably like a position where he's not exactly comfortable you know um and he's not exactly like the lead to everything it's more so obi-wan but in this final act and like you said before this we need that transformation where obi-wan quote-unquote dies Mm -hmm. and now we kind of see luke in his element at this point you know not necessarily like full on um transformation but it's obvious that the death of obi-wan has affected him and i'm not exactly sure if it's necessarily revenge i don't know if that's really the right word to use because that implies like the dark side you know (laughs) um i but i do feel like this is that moment where we see Luke more in his comfort zone, especially when he gets to fly his uh, his uh, X-wing. Well, they did uh, say this in like the beginning that you know he was actually a very good pilot anyway, mm-hmm. and that I'll be like uh, like uh, how he did in the old days or whatnot, flying back home. Yeah, right. So it, again, it was like he was put in this at the start. He was put into this uncomfortable situation. And then he saw Obi-Wan die, then he changed, and then he was brought back into that comfort zone with uh, being a pilot again. Mm-hmm. But he was changed in this way because he could help other people and basically save the uh, Rebel Alliance. Yeah, like all of it's very, very um, entertaining and also like very anxious moments because I guess you really want the Rebels to defeat the Galactic Empire and the battle that they are up against is very uh, like as long as you haven't seen the film you know it feels very uh one-sided to say the least you know because the death star is massive right and And it already took out a planet too so it's like you know what are they gonna do right and also that the fact that they didn't uh they attempted the shot already with some other guy and Mm -hmm. he missed Mm -hmm. and i was like oh man you know we missed we're gonna try another time right and then it's eventually Luke's turn to uh, make the shot, and then he does because you know he's the main character with the Force and all that, right? Yeah, Jazz. yeah, he has to be the hero, right? Uh, and then you get your you know sense, oh, we did it or whatnot. But uh, yeah, that, that's just how uh, how Star Wars goes. I, I do have to say though, like to make matters worth like worse, uh, Darth Vader's there as well, and right. he's with his Tie Fighters, and it's all three of those. Three, I think, three of them, like all after the re- the rebels who are trying to destroy the Death Star, and that makes like another thing that they have to worry about and whatnot. Right. And we lose people like over the course of that whole entire act, which sucks. 
Um, but like, yeah, I guess, uh, uh, you gotta lose some to win some. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> They're fighting uh, for a cause. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess what's also interesting is that, uh, they somewhat also allowed themselves to continue the story. Cause even yeah. though this one, you could say the story was over really, if you wanted to, sure. Uh, just at Star Wars, but they allowed themselves to uh, further expand the universe, even with uh, just a little fact that Darth Vader didn't die. You know, he just went out into space after being uh, hit by the Millennium Falcon, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, they allowed their main antagonist, you know, go out somewhere without actually being uh, killed. So there was that like, okay, maybe it's not over factor yet, mm-hmm. even though they did get rid of the uh, Death Star. So there was a chance that they could continue the story, which is interesting because I don't know. At that time, they thought, "Oh, we could come back and do another one." They 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 laid the groundwork so that if they didn't come back, it still makes sense. But if they could, we could continue, and that's kind of that's uh, pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. And I wonder if George Lucas even had any intention of. Or even any, like, yeah, any intentions or thoughts to even continue the franchise? Because I believe that it was not a good time, or it was not necessarily not a good time, but it was a struggle to even get Star Wars up and running, you know, the first film. And I think he didn't think it was going to do well. And I think he had all of the intention to, it was just going to be a one-off. So, but yeah, I, I feel like it is interesting, the fact that there is this sense of ambiguity with Darth Vader and as I think especially with Darth Vader, the fact that he's still out there. So it leaves this sense of, well, what's next? Right. Because he could always come back. Um, and you know, obviously he does, but yeah, there's a sense of wonder and ambiguity still left in the film and questions left unanswered and things that we can still explore within the world. So yeah, that is a really neat thing that they were able to implement, whether it, would have been a one-off, which would have been crazy. Or yeah, that would if it be crazy. Yeah, just like imagine. Imagine had this film just been, like this is the only Star Wars film. Just imagine had it been like that. I don't think it would have been a, uh, as popular or even like culturally oh. significant without right. the full original trilogy. Because mm-hmm. I would argue that the reveal that Darth Vader is uh, Luke's father, that was the biggest uh, you know reveal for the whole trilogy and that's the thing that got it so you know oh whoa you know what happened you know Mm -hmm. and that's what everybody remembers of star wars and that's probably what you know propelled its success yeah uh totally i i do feel like it doesn't take away from the what uh a new hope or star wars has done it's a foundation right and uh it did very well for that yeah totally um yeah and i feel like uh for the most part for me, I would definitely recommend that this film for that, you know? I'd recommend it because it is the foundation piece of Star Wars. And obviously, there's a whole debate on like how you should watch the Star Wars movies and whatnot. Right. To be honest with you, I think you should just start with this one um, because it lays down the foundation for everything and it's a good foundation. Right. So... Yeah, for the sake of just get, being able to get all of that and to understand Star Wars for it being more than just this story of uh, space battles and lightsabers 
it's a lot more than that. And I feel like some people probably turn it down because they think it's just that. And it's definitely not. So, yeah, I definitely think that um, this I would recommend uh, Star Wars to people, especially as like a the foundational one. You should definitely watch this one if you're wanting to get into Star Wars. It's again, it's the first one technically, even though it's episode four. Um, it lays the groundwork in a simple a way with again with this bare bones hero's journey that effectively works uh throughout the uh the the film and um even though like i if i want to choose one i say empire strikes back is better technically but obviously it's a good one you need to watch this one first right so uh yeah definitely want you should definitely watch this if you want to get into star wars uh you're into science fiction at all uh or just want to watch one of the classics of all time, Mm -hmm. uh, definitely just give it a go. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, I feel like Star Wars is one of those films that it's hard to get away from nowadays. And if any of them, you definitely should watch this one. Well, we hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of George Lucas's 1977 film, Star Wars. And we'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to this episode of The End Credits. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The End Credits Podcast and over on Twitter at The End Credits. If you're watching the video version, make sure to subscribe to The End Credits YouTube channel. That's it. Thank you and goodbye. Use the force, Luke. Let go, Luke. The force is strong with this one. Luke, trust me. Off. Luke, you switched off your targeting computer. What's wrong? Nothing. I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs>